1: Welcome, everybody. All right. Today, we are talking about responding to oppression. And yes, I'm talking about COVID. I'm talking about the government. I'm talking about the life we're living. We are moving from a country known as rugged individuals and uh, people who are independent minded, have free will. And we're moving to a country where the majority rules and people oppress us and so we need to really come to grips with that and if it's not what you believe it might just be the fact that uh you know, you didn't really understand or see the United States before our government has been shifted steadily over the years. But you know, the, the Oxford English Dictionary defines oppression as a state of being subject to just unjust treatment or control. However, this does not mean that those subjected uh, to unjust treatment or control are aware of it. And that is the problem that we have in this world today. You know, this is an aspect of oppression that's really missed in popular culture when we consider whether we or others are being oppressed. And indeed, when living day to day in concert with constraints of given uh, cultural crap, we seldom consider uh, whether we are actually being oppressed. Instead, we tend to think the one who wants to live according to the constraints of their culture is making a free choice. But in contrast... The usual scenario we think of when we think of oppression is that someone who is, who is captured or confined or tortured or otherwise unjustly treated or controlled against their, their, their protests and pleas for freedom. But those who organize rebellions or who, who do so, if they could, are thought to be oppressed. And the internal resistance against, like, let's say, apartheid in, in South Africa was viewed as a mark of oppression. Uh, while those who acquiesced in their cultural restrictions and taboos, they think none of the worst of it and typically consider themselves to be free agents. But in our history, uh, a, a prominent example of forced oppression is the, described by uh, Marx and Engels, uh, uh Karl Marx and Frederick Engels, in 48, 19, 1848 in their, their book, the, the Communist Manifesto. And that book... Marx and Engels advanced a, a, a basically a, a, a polar uh, sense of power against capitalism to enslave the working class using the technology of mass production. And so, you know, modern industry, and this is a quote from that book, modern industry has converted the little workshop of the patriarchal master into the great factory of the industrial capitalist. Masses of laborers, and I'm still quoting Uh, crowded in the factory are organized like soldiers not only are they slaves of the bourgeois but the bourgeois state, and they're daily and hourly enslaved by the machines, by the overlooker, above all, the individual bourgeois manufacturer, and the more openly the deputism proclaims to gain to be its end and aim, and the more petty, the more hateful, and the more embittering it is. This is where we are headed as a culture, and if we don't wake up, we are going to get swallowed alive. Marx and Engels' insight into the capacity of technology to oppress is one that really shouldn't be overlooked. You know, technology may itself be neutral; its deployment is is the problem, and that's by uh, people. and And what we're looking at today is huge amounts of things like Google and and. Uh, All these different, you know, applications that we use through social media are basically influencing our life in a way that we are allowing it to enslave us and to brainwash us to think things that are not necessarily true. And sadly, people are too lazy oftentimes to think for themselves. They'd rather be told what to think. But, you know, it's important if we are going to reclaim our country and reclaim our government and reclaim our culture, and I'm not asking you for rebellion, but the bottom line is we have got to make our own choices and we have got to develop our own education. We have to educate ourselves and we have to learn. And we need to exercise free will and not just lay back and allow people to have power in our lives like we're just a bunch of cattle and they're the shepherds. Um, We are losing our intelligence and it's sad. And now we have kids that aren't even in school and, and that's sad or they're in school for a day. You know, it's amazing to me that people are okay with where we are and we should never, ever, ever allow ourselves to be okay where we are. We are on a slippery slope and it's not getting any better and and if we're just going to allow you know old men and crazy people to run our lives they're going to do what they do you know our current president has nothing to worry about cuz he's a lame duck he's going to be gone in 4 years he can do whatever he wants and that's what's happening and it's sad because it's not what all of us want it's what he thinks we want and it's what the media wants him to do and it's what his influencers want him to do and it's what his party wants him to do but it's not what re- is reflective of us, and we are going to have to live with the results, and it's sad, and we need to get strong, and we need to communicate with each other because people don't know how to communicate anymore. They're too busy on social media to actually carry on a conversation. is too frustrating for many people unless they're having a beer or, or a glass of wine to get drunk and loosen up, but the sad part is is that people are just not functioning, And we have got to reclaim ourselves as a culture and as a life. All causes, social, natural, combined to make it unlikely that women would be collectively rebellious to the power of a man. You know, all men, except for the most brutish desire to have in the woman and most uh, nearly connected to them. But you see, we've lived in this culture where we've learned to subject ourselves. E- even women finally have, have taken a stand and say, no, I'm equal. You treat me as that. You pay me the same. Let's get there. You know, And I believe that is extremely important because they're fighting for their oppression. But the problem is we're not fighting all the good fights. You know, here's a different concept of oppression in contrast to the Marxian one one. That of a a willing rather than forced slavery. That's what we're seeing. A a significant number of of people living in the United States today, those who have, have what social workers call victim mentality, still believe they are lucky to be under the control of men who treat them, or women, who treat them abusively and like possessions. Willful oppression can take many uh, subtle forms, some of which even liberal thinkers like Marx and Mill will foresee. Marx thought that oppression largely involved um, the conscious of being forced into living in an undesirable life. And that's what we're going to right now. I can tell you that many people are not experiencing pleasure, unless you live in Florida, by the way, where you can actually be free. Um, you know, it's it's sad. We're forgetting what it's like to be in this culture. Uh, we're forgetting uh, because we're oppressed by the masses. We're oppressed by cultural divides, by an by, by industrialized world, by uh, people lying to us in the media, people giving points of view that are unsubstantiated, you know? There's just accusations after accusations and thoughts after thoughts. We, we're living in a fantasy and it's going to crash. And uh, you know, a large percentage of people living in industrialized free world are also members of a global cyberspace. And while the servers of a global online uh, community are located inside national borders and outside, the virtual space is creating a dialogue between us and people all over the world. And so we're gathering knowledge and gathering information that have come at us in different ways. And it's really hard to digest and it's very overwhelming. But we as people need to settle down and figure out what our priorities are and what world our children need to grow up in. Yes, there's many things that are unfair in this life. And, you know, fair is a place where they judge pigs. You're you're not always going to get fair. So the bottom line is, We all need to come to grips to understand that we are losing our freedom. We are losing our kids' future. We are borrowing money from China as a country in trillions of dollars to basically buy your vote and buy your thought process and buy you as a person and turn you into a product. And that's what's going to happen to your children if we don't step up the people who know what it's like to be free. If we don't step up and do something about it, you know, the sort of threat more than terrorism is devouring the very core of what it means to be human. You know, will you be willing to have a, a, a something implanted in your brain as uh, as like a computer that controls you? That's basically what, what is called brainwashing. And oppression does a lot of brainwashing by setting new norms that you are forced to accept. Oppression can not only be subtle, it can be gradual, and it can develop over time in progressive installments, not all at once. But the most likely scenario is that we will not wake up one morning and discover that we no longer have any freedom of thought and expression. It's even becoming almost illegal to be a Republican. If you're a Republican, you get fired. That's crazy. That's crazy. But, you know... I'm not a Republican. I'm an independent person. I, I will make my own mind up, but I can see all kinds of perspectives, all kinds of perspectives. And I'm willing to do that because that's what we owe ourselves is to see all the way around people, not just one point of view and not just fixating on that. But we also have to know what is good and what is safe and what is right. And, and we are losing it as a country. Do you know how far the government's already gone down that slope oppressing your freedom of thought and expression? You know how much research has been spent in developing more powerful forms of surveillance technologies. How little time and money government is invested in trying to protect your privacy from unjust encroachment. You know, Google probably knows everything about us. I'm hearing that the Chinese are actually uh, finding out what our genetics are and doing tests on that because that's the next form of war is Genes, manipulating genes and using uh, diseases and all kinds of stuff to kill us or to manipulate us out of fear. You know, what are the business interests in particular that are driving the developments of surveillance technology? How much do you actually know best on evidence, not just government propaganda about these and other things? How much are you assuming? You know, it's important to come to grips with this kind of stuff. You know, unless we change our idea about what oppression is and can be, and unless we take a rational, cautious, evidence driven inventory of our assumptions collectively as a global community and as individual citizens, we may never come to know how oppressed we really are and maybe soon. Look at our election it was stolen. We all know that, but can we prove it? No. But everybody knows that. When Georgia tipped over, it was going to tip over. When th- the presidential election was going to tip over, it tips over at midnight. Guess what? All the counties, like, like uh, if you look in um, Orange County in, in Southern California, guess what? At midnight, all the votes change, and suddenly all the people that are leading – are now democrats how does that happen well it happens because people will manipulate when they can they will do whatever it takes to steal most people don't have integrity what you do when nobody's looking is what is called your integrity and most people many people will take advantage of those moments if they see an opportunity to influence other people in a way that they see fit, they will take that opportunity and cheat just to get you to do that. And it's sad, but we as a country have now an election system that can be manipulated by any party, by any person. And we rely on technologies that are vulnerable. And someday down the road, somebody hopefully will get mad enough to change it. But, you know, people love power. And if you give them power, they'll take more. Look at all the 52 governors across this country on COVID. They've loved having all this power and they've had no ability or no sense of responsibility towards what it's doing to the folks that they are the governor over. And sadly, they have stepped in with power and influenced people in in all kinds of ways in the states that they live in. And they call that, okay, I'm just managing my state in the ways that people need for our state. Instead of trying to think of, what are other governors doing that's working? And anything that works in this culture, people will kick it and say it's not working. Well, Florida's working. Guess what, it's working really well, But is anybody else going to maintain it? No, because they have power. And so as long as they have that power, they're not going to let anything slip. They're only going to let it slip when people speak up and stand up for their rights and demand it. But unfortunately, we're guided by unions and all kinds of people that have their own agendas And the majority rules in that way. And the people that have power are placed in power by people who have money. So guess what? They're going to do what the people who have money want them to do. You know, um, I'm focusing on power to control, to dominate, to exploit another person, another group, a nation whose power is not as sufficient to prevent the domination or exploitation. You know, it took us having Pearl Harbor to go into World War II. How obvious is it going to have to be for this country to wake up and reclaim our freedom? When is that going to happen? You know, our resources are un- endless. our Our country is a beautiful country with lots of beautiful, diverse people, and a lot of people that have great judgment. But all of that's being passed up. All's being passed up for obligations to people of power and money and of influence. You know, there's a thing called the superior power of the oppressor, and and in several basic ways they control over the the the, the with systematic terror. They put us in a fear position, and they have us. Um, Basically standing in a, in a posture where we're afraid of what they're going to do. We're afraid of what they're going to do with our church, with our school, with our, our media, with with our, our people, um, with our police, with our fire, with our army, our navy. Our, our, we used to be one and we still are hopefully one of the most powerful, wonderful countries, free countries that people would come and seek us. But now what we're turning into is the very place that people were running from which is a place of, a, a, of authoritarian leadership. And, and it's sad. That's not how this country was built. The people are taking the names down of, of the presidents who actually helped us get our freedom and helped us build our country. Their names are being disrespected and taken down off of schools and buildings and then replaced by these Marxist idiots that we're putting in power. It's sad. It's sad. You know, there's also systematic terror, and that's another thing that people use to oppress. You know, official terror, uh, terror is public and it's legally sanctioned violence and a threat of violence by, by the state towards members of a subordinate group. And so that violence, that systematic terror is what people continuously want to avoid. They're scared of it. And, and it may not be necessary to keep a subordinated group in its place if the subordinated group thinks the social institutions cro- controlled by the dominant group are insurmountable. And sadly, a lot of us as people believe in that. All right. We're going to come back. Hopefully, I'll come back with a better tone. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit more, well, a lot more about responding to oppression. So come back. <laughs> ¶¶
0: us on facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world voice america empowerment dr gary bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone skype or in person in the seattle area
2: Listen for Transformation for Success with Dr. Barbara Young. Her show topics cover creating lasting transformation in challenging environments and how creating change can have an impact on the success of individuals from a mind, body, and spirit perspective. It's going to be inspiring and uplifting each week. So tune in on Tuesdays at 12 noon Pacific time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and also listen on the Voice America Business and Influencers Channels.
0: That's 1 888 346 9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on email host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's absurd psychology.
1: Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about responding to oppression. You know, Maintaining oppression is a lot of work. Control over the state is one of the things that people do. In a, in a self-reinforcing cycle, the powerful in any society control the state, control the, the of the state increases the power of those who control it. In the United States and in Western democracies, surprise, surprise, large corporations, wealthy individuals are the primary funders of political campaign, political parties, political candidates. They also own and control most of the mass media. So they're going to basically tell you whatever they want. And additionally, they provide the support for most of the private policy planning network. So the think tanks, the people that, they, that the government goes to as research institutes and policy discussion groups and foundations, which help set the national policy agenda and establish policy priorities. But the re- result is an immense bias to the political system favoring large corporations and economically pri- uh, uh, privileged in legislation and in, in executive and judicial branches of the government. And the effects of this bias are evidenced in which groups experience the various forms of injustice, which is described uh, in, in the previous uh, 20 minutes that I was talking. It's apparent That such of the minorities, such as African-Americans, Hispanics, Native Americans, uh, the physically impaired, single mothers, children, also have relatively little power and are more likely to be poor and to suffer injustices associated with poverty. At the global level, a similar process occurs. The large multinational corporations, the more powerful nations, the wealthy investors are able to influence the processes and practices affecting international trade, aid, investment in their own advantage, and often the detriment of people in third world states. You know, as we get into uh, becoming a uh, socialist government, a socialist country, as we've creeped into that, crossed over that line and basically become that That means incomes are going to go down. Opportunities are going to go down. What does that mean? People are going to be more oppressed. They're going to be spending a lot of time at work. They're going to have little time to get angry or get get upset about what's going on. They're going to have little money. And so they're going to have little influence. And that means they're going to vote for the people that tell them what to do, because that's what they're used to, because they're so fragile and worried about whether they can have employment or not. You know, Control over socialization and indoctrination is another part of maintaining um, oppression. The development of discontent among the disadvantaged and the outrage among the oppressed are often aborted. By the socialization and indoctrination institutions, the family, the school, the religious institutions, the media, socialization, in, they indoctrinate and, and they'll press people and, and call out authority and for you to obey it and keep them aware of the punishment for disobedience will be severe to the view of disadvantages they suffer that are legitimate or have faith that they will compensate for them in the afterlife. You know, it's it's sad but the rewards and punishments of the here and now as far and the afterlife for acceptance or challenging authority and the status quo are presented in, in, in vividly and repeatedly in myths and in, in practices of society and in indoctrinating institutions. You know, interactive power is another form of maintaining oppression. And that form of power uh, is basically the power to take initiative in a relationship and in the beginning or the ending of the relationship and insisting on it being modified and taking a number of communication things like like power to begin or end, a specific contact, and basically influence an outcome. If, if, if you're a narcissist, you're always looking for a um, codependent. And the reason is because the codependent is going to be able to be shaped. Well, guess what? A lot of people in this culture and in this world are indecisive people. They don't have Character. They don't know what they think. They don't know what they stand for. They don't even take the time. They just do what they're told, or they're overwhelmed, or, or they're just making selfish choices. They live without a God. They live without responsibility. A lot of people don't take responsibility in this culture. And it's sad because what it leads to is a reactive life rather than a proactive life. And I've often said, we're souls living a human life. Well, your soul needs to have passion and purpose. And passion and purpose is personal and it's in your soul. And we, people are not even deep enough. Many people are not even deep enough to find out what they're passionate about. If you ask them, they, they're bewildered because most of the time, whatever they do with their life and spend the majority of their time doing is something they stumbled into and then labeled themselves as that because they spent time doing that for so long. But, you know, we are supposed to be free thinkers. We are supposed to be people that have opinions, that we are thought out, that we're well-read. But you don't just think. You have to do. You have to support what you think. You have to stand up for what you believe. And, And you have to listen and be a good listener because listening gives you wisdom. The person who listens in a conversation is the wisest person and the one who's in control of the conversation. You know, in a large scale, religions share the belief in 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 inferiority. You know, God, according to Christian tradition, actually made man in His own image, and then He made woman from the man. You know, they're merely a reflection. Well, that's not necessarily true. In this world, women are equals, and we need to treat them as such. But we also need to honor their opinions. We need to help help them uh, uh, stand up for themselves and give them the right to to say what they need to say. And also people of of color, they need to to be honored and respected for who they are and and their points of view and where they come from. But we have to understand, we are biased creatures. We are biased by our culture. We are biased by the way we were raised. And we're biased by the things that we don't learn about to get a, a more healthier opinion. We're lazy people most of the time. You know, the contribution of self-fulfilling prophecies is the maintenance of oppression. So, the myths of moral or intellectual or motivational superiority of the oppressor, which often are used to legitimize the subordination of oppressed groups, are typically supported by self-fulfilling prophecies. You know, societies are are set up in ways that make uh, life relatively easy for dominance and relatively difficult for subordinates, and subordinate groups are less Uh, likely to live in circumstances which are encouraging or stimulate the development of one's intellectual potential. If we live as subordinates, we're going to be subordinates. I mean, look at the Jews when they were in Egypt. They were oppressed and they fell into it and allowed themselves to be oppressed. They didn't have to do that, but they did. They did do that. Of course, there are oppressed groups who do not fit the, the stereotypes. Such groups like uh, highly intellectual and economic attainments, as well as an intergroup of cohesiveness, they're they're often uh, viewed as potential competitors. And so they're stereotyped. Anybody that has an edge that is over someone else or has a, has a new way of looking at something, they're seen as cunning or deceitful or overly ambitious and clannish. That's what happens in an oppressed culture. They will characterize a person in a negative fashion who has new ideas and new thoughts. And guess what's happening in our culture? That's what's happening. People who have a conservative perspective are being treated like dogs. And it's sad. It's sad. Of course, there's there's oppressed groups out there who do uh, believe that they are doing the right thing. But sadly, their main motivator is to have power, even when they probably didn't have any power as a kid. They probably didn't have any power in their life. They probably were abused, they probably had psychological issues, and now they just want power over people. And so they will influence people's life when they can't even conduct their own lives. You know, imagine a situation of an oppressed or abused child or a wife or an employee or a citizen. Each is in some critical way dependent upon the oppressor, the parent, uh, the employer, the governing undemocratic power. Suppose the oppressed has needs or desires of which the oppressor strongly disapproves. You know, like physical affection or self-esteem or autonomy or uh, self-determination or only allows their expression in distorted, dissatisfying, abusive forms. You know, the reaction of the oppressed is is usually to be that of anger. One way of reducing anxiety around for the temptations to to have forbidden desires is to build an internal barrier to their expression by internalizing the threat uh, of abandoning yourself as well as rage or the sense of moral superiority towards the oppressor, that's not going to be good because then you're going to become an oppressor. We have to believe in people. We have to believe in our kindness. We have to believe that most people are well-intended. Even the people who oppress us believe they are well-intended. But sadly, they're not. They're not well-intended. They're personally intended for their own life to make a significant change in the history of our country for themselves, not for us. You know, the oppressor, if, if we were to examine them psychologically, the, the child abusers, husbands who batter their wives, brutal bosses, political tyrants, I, I, I believe you would find that oppressors need the oppressed. Their need to control and dominate the other, their intolerance of autonomy of the other makes them dependent on having a vulnerable, weaker others for the definition of their own power and their own deep sense of vulnerability, like their anxieties about helplessness, impotence, guilt, having the capital raided while they were in there trying to impeach the president. I mean, they're, th- these people are crazy, and they have the, the, the National Guard surrounding the government in Washington Forever because they're also deeply insecure and they know that they're vulnerable, and they know somebody out there, somebody out there, some people out there find them despicable, and some people are insane and would do things to them in their lives. And so they're scared. And they're scared because they're changing our entire country into what they want. Without permission, uh, they take the election as permission, but the election was a fraud and it was a lie. And anybody that has common sense, anybody that is not biased in their p- point of view of, of wanting the Democratic Party to be the great thing that runs our country, anybody that has that, you don't really – you're not valid. The, but people that are not biased that can look at this situation and go, man, this is bad news. Those people are the ones that one of them, some of them, any of them might take – This into their own hands. And that's going to be sad, guys. That's not what needs to happen. It needs to be all of us standing up for the country we live in and for the place we live in. That's important. You know, one, of course, can be more powerful in a relationship such as a parent-child or an employee, employee relationship without being an oppressor. You know, I, I always talk about leadership. Um, when you talk to a corporation when you talk to people about leadership, and I've taught leadership many, many times, it's really important to understand that there's usually, and I'm generalizing here, but there's usually two different leaders. There is the educational leader, which is the one who has empathy and compassion for people who are learning. To try to get them to actually step into his shoes, his or her shoes, to step into make good choices for their life, to make their life better. And they're not about power. The power manager's there to make changes. And they're very fast. They come in and they're very inhuman. They make changes and then uh, they go to the next place or they get hidden away somewhere because all they want is power. And they're both needed because we need to have change. But really what's important is is the change the right change? Is it the one where we need to go in a different direction? You know, look at Apple. You know, Apple went away from the uh, iPad and the iPhone and all that stuff, and they, they didn't really pull in a lot of development into their future. They didn't really envision it. And J- Steve Jobs, before he passed, God help him, he had to uh, reinvent the company and get it back on track with what it was all about, which was innovating technology uh, that, that is secure. But sadly, um, the new leaders that they got in between Steve Jobs the first time and the second time, they took the country the, the the Apple and just basically turned it into an IBM. And that was very sad to see. But you see, when you get back to the vision of what the the Apple was supposed to be, that's what Steve Jobs did. It, it accelerated and took off. So what I'm trying to say, folks, is we had a great model for our country. It was doing great things. it It was resilient but we're losing it. We're losing it and it's we're going to lose it really fast if we don't make changes and step up and have a voice into our government. The power of control, you know, for those who are vulnerable or can be made more vulnerable, the oppressor needs to be able to make demands which are arbitrary and unreasonable so that the obedience of the oppressed is due to the oppressor's power, not the agreement of the oppressed. The oppressor's tolerance of the autonomy of the oppressed is neither idle or freely chosen. That's what we live in this culture. We live in a culture today where we have to wear masks everywhere we go, even if we have the second COVID shot, which I do. And uh, guess what? Uh, we all have to live as if we're in living in a prison and basically our president will dictate to us that you have to wear them for the next hundred days, maybe for the next year. And and we all have to just suck it up and we let our freedom go and we sold ourselves out and it was a perfect opportunity. The perfect opportunity COVID was for the Democrats to take over our government And that's exactly what they did. And you could see it coming from miles and miles and miles away if you have any common sense whatsoever. You know, the psychodynamic relationship between the oppressor and the oppressed is huge. There's structural similarities between the sadomasochistic and the oppressor-oppressed relationship. Each side of the relationship has some of the latent qualities of the other side. And guess what? Both of them believe they're well-intended. You know, the sadist, when they're whipping the masochist, is also whipping themselves. The oppressor, when he's controlling the oppressed, is controlling himself. The masochistic, when whipped, is also having the sadist within himself punished. Similarly, the oppressor is being uh, – uh, the oppressed is being controlled and is having – the, the oppressor is having their own rage controlled by the way they're oppressing so, it seems obvious that not all oppressors have oppressive personalities, nor do all the oppressed have oppressed personalities. In the same sense, they don't really consistently prefer or even seek out relationships where they can be oppressors and the oppressed. Nevertheless, I would suggest personally that any long-standing oppressive relationship, both psychodynamic within its participants as well as social expectations, will contribute to its persistence and its resistance to change. It's amazing. You know, uh, uh, people who uh, some anxieties and fears have to be addressed for the oppressed and the oppressor. Those things are like uh, both feel anxious in the face of the unknown. They believe that they will be foolish, humiliated, or helpless in an unclear relationship. Um, Both fear the guilt and the self-contempt for their roles in maintaining the oppressive relationship. The oppressed fears that their rage will be unleashed and the oppressor is in terror of that rage. Look at Washington with all of those soldiers there protecting Nancy Pelosi. You know, they also fear punishment if they change. So the oppressed from the oppressor, the oppressor from the oppressed and other oppressors. Guess what? As we oppress our own culture, we are manufacturing a new oppressor that will come around later on. And so both people, the oppressed and the oppressor, anticipate loss from change. The oppressed will lose their sense of moral superiority And the excuses of victimhood, and the oppressor will lose the respect and material benefits associated with being more powerful. All right, come back. We're going to talk about, once again, repression and the obsession with repression. Come back.
2: your world change your life voice america
0: dr gary bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone skype or in person in the seattle area dr bell brings his no nonsense straight from the hip discussions each week on the show but it doesn't stop there learn about motivation and psychology one couple marriage repair a two-day workshop in seattle and more Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856.
2: Listen for Transformation for Success with Dr. Barbara Young. Her show topics cover creating lasting transformation in challenging environments and how creating change can have an impact on the success of individuals from a mind, body, and spirit perspective. It's going to be inspiring and uplifting each week. So tune in on Tuesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and also listen on the Voice America Business and Influencers Channels.
0: Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's
1: Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about oppression. And, uh, you know, in the uh, Merriam-Webster Dictionary, it's defined as, and I quote, unjust or cruel exercise of authority or power, especially in the imposition of burdens. And the condition of being weighed down, an act of pressing down, a sense of heaviness or obstruction to the body or the mind. And basically, the, the definition demonstrates the intensity of oppression, which also shows how difficult such a challenge is to address or eradicate. You know, further, the word oppression comes from the Latin root, which is premier, premier which actually means pressed down. And importantly, we can conclude that oppression is a social act of placing severe restrictions on an individual, on a group, or an institution. And so, you know, you have to look, you know, oppression is often discussed in the same context as dehumanization or exploitation. And these are terms that portray unjustness and cruelty. And to adequately prepare you To effectively address the challenges many communities are facing, we include the terms to help familiarize you with what oppression really is. And and understanding the perceptions and the meanings and the experiences of of community members is critical for work in community psychology in order to address social issues such as oppression. You know, if, if after studying the concept of oppression, you might be asking, what is the reason for it? And and typically a government or a political organization that is in power places these restrictions formally or covertly on groups so that the distribution of resources is unfairly allocated. And this means power stays in the hands of those who already have it. And, and we understand that oppression occurs when people are systematically subjected to political, economic, cultural, social degradation because they belong to a certain social group. And this results from structures and domination and subordination and correspondingly ideologies of superiority and inferiority. You know, <laughs> there's this thing out there, it's called the decolonial theory and over the past 500 years, the colonial matrix of power is, uh, 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 is the primary sources of oppression and, and the primary source of, of coloniality and globalization. You know, people came to this country to release themselves and have religious freedom from an oppressed society. And guess what? We brought the English out. We had the English come out here and start governing us. And guess what? We oppressed ourselves until we had a revolution. Is that what it's going to take for us to undo this oppression? Is that what it's going to do to unhinge Facebook and, and all these uh, Google and all these crazy places that all of us have to go to to, to communicate with each other? And it's sad. It's just sad. You know, it, it, according to that theory— um, it's the, the the decolonial theory. The Western world is is a production of a colony or, or modernness, and those terms refer to the social cultural norms developed after the eighteenth century. Um, and, and basically, uh, after the eighteenth century, we were able to uh, in the late eighteenth century. We were able to. That would be the seventeen hundreds, by the way. That means that we would be able to define our own. Uh, manifesto, our own life, live by a constitution. Unfortunately, our constitution is being continuously edited by people who want power to the point that eventually we will have no freedom at all. Also power is and, and, and sad too because we see in courts uh, where judges rule even against the law will rule for power. And and now that's being influenced. We can't even trust our court system due to the way that these judges have so much power that they can rewrite law in, in the, the in a moment, in any moment. You know, power is a concept that has come to possess numerous meanings for different people. But what's interesting is that places like the government, places like the court, places like the Congress, places like the Senate, places like all the departments in our government, these are all influenced by people of power, people of money. And they are all being dictated to in many ways, in a way that satisfies people of power. We are living in a shadow government. We are living in a shadow of something bigger than all of us because everybody has sold themselves out. And guess what? It's going to happen if our government goes bankrupt, which it likely will after COVID and after all these uh, uh, things are being approved. Basically, they're draining our income out In order for us to be obliged by people of power and money all over the world who will now basically run our country. And you you know what? I'm just talking common sense, guys. And that's sad. Common sense. Any of you who have free thought know that this kind of thing is happening, but nobody's doing anything about it. You know, power over the ability to to compel or dominate others, control resources, enforce commands, power is the ability of people to pursue uh, personal and collective goals and develop their own capacities. You know, our government was formed for us as a people to govern for the people, all of the people, not the people of power. And unfortunately, we're getting a hybrid of people of power and money and influence Buying our government out, and basically, our government now works for them and doesn't work for us as a people. And that has to change if we are to be a, a thriving culture. And then likely, we're going to die just like the Romans did because we have destroyed our, our form of government. You know, we understand empowerment as an individualistic concept, what needs to incorporate social power. You know, these theories have conceptualized empowerment as a manifestation of social power uh, with a, a purpose of, of, of importance. First, it's to have control over resources in such a way that they can be used to reward and punish various people. And this is coming from an oppressed perspective. And then it's the ability to control barriers to participation through defining what we talk about and how we talk about it. And... Uh, and, and, and then there's a force that shapes shared consciousness through myths and ideology and control of information. Well, guess what we live in? A society filled with control of information. We will accept media flat out lying to us in our face, flat out just lying to us, and then being called out sometimes and not even correcting themselves. They don't even correct themselves. That, that That's not where we came from. That's not the culture that we grew up in. That's not this country. That's a communist country. There's control over language and information that's referred to as power and knowledge. You know, it, it, power is inherently tied to control over access to information and vice versa. Knowledge is always related to systems of power. And uh, there was a guy named James Baldwin in 1979. Similarly, refers to language as a power, as a political instrument. And the language a person uses communicates their statuses within a society. And and, and Baldwin basically proposed the language barrier that prevented Africans from communicating with one another limited their collective power when they were slaves because they came from different parts of Africa. You know, and that's what the that's what the people want. They want to have people who can't communicate with each other, who, who don't communicate with each other. That's how oppressed people stay in power. You know, there's also uh, psychological empowerment. In contrast, psychological empowerment at the individual and group levels requires an increased awareness and understanding of the things that influence our lives. And it's a process by which we become... Aware of the the dynamics of power that occur at multiple levels in our life. And this could be something like becoming aware of being treated differently due to the color of your skin or how the lack of resources in the community one lives in affects your well-being. You know, people then begin to develop skills for gaining control over their relevant aspects of their lives, such as advocating for themselves or working on coping techniques to respond to discrimination. That's what's happening. We are being discriminated against as a culture, as a country. The very people who pay taxes in this country and who have set up this government and and falsely allowed an election to take place basically have given our country away. You know, psychological empowerment considers the role of the context and the influences of external factors that impact the lives of people. You know, uh, women in the 50s were affected by how they were treated, both at home and the workplace. In both cases, there were, there were clear power differentials, and, and whether it was between the husband and a wife or an employer or a worker... These external factors and the contextual factors outside of the individual woman's control impacted women in the environments where they lived and worked. And so the women's movement and the related advocacy efforts were led by women who developed empowerment skills individually and began supporting the empowerment of others. It starts with you. Changes individually and on a group level can be accomplished through critically examining situations people find themselves in. It's you know if if, if uh, you know we have critical awareness, basically that leads individuals and in critical thinking that leads people to identify personal and contextual factors that may be part of empowerment for particular individuals or groups, and these factors may include uh, uh, additional skills like access to financial capital, access to resources, opportunities, access to individuals with greater power. And, and and that's important. It's important. But we need to put the power where it is going to be managing for us, not against us. You know, uh, there's a lot of uh, or, uh, in, uh, empowerment as far as organizations are concerned. On an organization level, it, it's useful to think of empowerment in many ways, empowering those within the organization and being effectively fairly addressing an organizational level issues and working well with those outside the organization. So what that's basically saying is you if you empower people and then you empower the people who you are helping, you are going to create a community and that community will work together to, to, to make itself uh, individualized and efficient and it will work with purpose. But sadly, what we have these days is a bunch of people who are brainwashed and who think that socialism is good when they have never understood in the first place what it is or maybe they're too young to understand what it is to be free. You know, an oppressive system has its core that the idea that one group is somehow better than another – And in some measure has the right to control the other group. And this idea gets uh, elaborated in a whole lot of ways, more intelligent, harder working, stronger, more capable, more noble, more deserving, more advanced, chosen, normal, superior, so on. The dominant groups holds this idea about itself, not looking at everyone else. They just look at themselves and they reinforce their own perspectives and that's all they want to hear is what their perspectives are. They don't want to hear anything different or new and that's how they continue to oppress people by controlling information. You know, interpersonal uh, uh, oppression also takes place. The idea that one group is better than another, has the right to control the other, it it gets structured into institution, gives permission, reinforcement for individual members of the dominant group to personally disrespect or mistreat people in, in the oppressed group. And I'm not suggesting that with a Republican administration we didn't have that. Of course we did. That's what Donald Trump did. He oppressed people, and that's what people didn't like. They liked his policies because he governed for the people, but they hated the person because his language was that of an oppressor. And that's what fueled uh, his downfall. And that's what will continue to fuel his downfall because people do not want to substitute one oppressor for another. Biden just appears to be this nice old man oppressor, but he is an oppressor um, and he's bought out and he's lame duck and he's going to do whatever he wants to do. He's not going to do what we want him to do. He's convincing himself that he has the ownership of what is right and what needs to happen. And When we do and when we think in a vacuum instead of with critical thinking, we lose being in touch with other people. You know, there's all kinds of uh, inequality in this life. But as we go down this road, we're going to all find ourselves unequal in many ways and living in a very supreme uh, bourgeois world where there's people who can go to nice restaurants and there's people that have to eat at McDonald's. That's our show. (laughs) I'd like to thank everyone for listening. You know, I'd love to hear from you. You can do that at voiceamerica.com, the Empowerment Channel, Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Now remember, what would happen if we were prejudiced to people of color and when we die, find out that God is black? Also remember, the only time people think of oppression is when it happens to them. People who allow oppression share the crime guess who we are? Oppressed people will not allow themselves to be repressed forever. That is the reality of being a part of the human race. Thank God. And for the ruling party, don't make permanent decisions for a temporary situation. Thanks for listening.
0: That's our show for this week.